Are you ready for the latest Habs news, passionate debate, and in-depth analysis from hockey experts around the league? It's the most informative and interactive podcast about the Montreal Canadiens. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast, featured on allhabs.net, with your hosts, Joe Whalen and Rick Stevens. How's it going, Habs fans? Happy to be back once again for another episode of the Canadians Connection Podcast. We've reached June. It is June the 1st. Uh, my name is Joseph Whalen, and back in the lineup, making his return to the lineup, the editor-in-chief of Rocket Sports Media, Mr. Rick Stevens. How's it going, Rick? I'm doing just uh, just fine, thanks, and glad to be here. Um, and uh, just a, a shout-out to, to both you and... Uh, and Gibby, who um, uh, were great last last week, and uh, Gibby filling in uh, admirably for the entire show. Um, yeah, it uh, it uh, he didn't seem to miss me at all. So, um, <laughs> but I'm really glad to be back. Yeah, it's great to have you back. And and of course, yes, once again, thank you to Gibby for filling in. And uh, in an unrelated note, he's always welcome back to the Canadian Connection because he, uh, of course, was very complimentary of my segues. Uh, so. <laughs> oh, I see what but, it takes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's great to have you back on the Canadians Connection podcast. Uh, and I suppose it's with it being June, this is a point now where we don't have a whole lot of, of like Habs related news. But but for this week, there is actually a fair bit. And Mark Bergevin is going to be a, a topic of discussion this episode has given us a lot to talk about the last couple of weeks with, with signings and, and whatnot. And uh, do you suppose we should just dive in and get this started with, with some Habs news? Let's do that. So, I mean, I guess getting right off, right off the bat, because, you know, this is a very exciting time of year when you look forward to the future one guy that I think kind of carved out a role or at least carved out a, a space in the minds of Habs fans was Joel Teasdale, who scored a goal in the final of the Memorial Cup, won MVP of the tournament. He had five points in five games, uh, four goals. <laughs> uh, he's, he's, uh, he's a sniper or at least a guy that can score goals. I don't know if I will say that he's a sniper, but someone that is a little bit more adept at scoring goals than uh, assisting, but nonetheless, five points in five games. And uh, Ruan Noranda beat the hometown Halifax Mooseheads four to two. Um, what were your thoughts on, uh, on Joel Teasdale? Well, it, um, I think, I think it was Joel who said himself that he was a bit surprised by the honor uh, being named the MVP. Um, and, uh, and, and maybe there was others who, who deserve credit, but, but, um, but, but, you know, I, I have no quibbles with it at all. I, I'm very happy for him. Um, as he said, uh, a perfect end to his junior career, getting um, MVP and, and now he's uh, ready to turn pro and, and uh, we'll see him um, likely with the Laval rocket uh, come October. Yeah, and another guy who we will probably be seeing in Laval at the start of next season. Some have penciled him in as a as a guy on the Montreal Canadiens, but you know sometimes it takes baby steps. Uh, 
is uh, Nick Suzuki, who uh, who was named to the OHL third team, the All OHL third team, I believe, is is what it was. The honor right. for Nick Suzuki, who keeps adding honors to his uh, another feather in his cap for uh, for Nick Suzuki, and uh, and this guy just keeps uh, getting these accolades. Obviously, he's the Wayne Gretzky Trophy a couple of weeks ago for the OHL playoff MVP. So, I mean, if if, if Joel Teasdale is going to be there in Laval, wouldn't be too bad to have uh, Nick Suzuki on his side. I don't think anyone would be upset to have Nick Suzuki on their side. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd really like to see Nick Suzuki uh, uh, spend a little time in Laval. Uh, I know the the expectations are – are really high and there's uh there's lots of Habs fans out there uh given the way he's he uh, you know the the uh, monster role that he played in uh Guelph getting uh to the Memorial Cup uh have pretty high expectations that he's going to come in and be in the top 6 and fix the power play and and all those kinds of things yeah. I think as as we've said with uh, with all prospects, uh, patience is key. I know, you know, even with Teasdale uh, on the Canadians, if you if you only read the Montreal Canadiens website, they they talked about MVP honors going to um, uh, Nathan McKinnon, going to Leon Draisaitl, going to Mitch Marner. Uh, with all due respect to Joel Teasdale. Um, he's not going to be in that that category, yeah. <laughs> so um, of of players. So, um, so just you know, for Habs fans, have some patience, and and uh, yeah. it's important to develop these prospects, right? And and uh, they'll, they'll get into the Canadians lineup in in due course. And, and for God's sakes, don't put the burden of fixing the Montreal Canadiens power play on the shoulders of Nick yeah, Suzuki. There's only so right. much one guy can do, <laughs> and that's especially right. when he's uh, when he's just breaking in uh, to professional hockey. But uh, regardless, we we do have some Laval Rocket news as well. And and last week, uh, myself and Gibby were talking about Habs RFAs, one of which was Xavier Ouellette, and he was uh, taken care of and signed to a contract. And and uh, you, along with Amy Johnson on the From the Press Box uh, podcast, had had your say on, on that and, and, and maybe why this wasn't, uh, at least in your view, maybe why this wasn't a great signing. But, I mean, last week when we were discussing it, I think this was one that we thought was going to happen and, and even – uh, Gibby reached out and texted me and said that ah, I'm a genius. I said this. I called this. This was going to happen. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the captain of the Laval Rocket, I think, was always going to get taken care of. But what what were your thoughts on this? Yeah, I think that's that's fair. Um, he's a captain. Um, uh, you want to fill seats at Place Bell. Uh, a, a popular, a, a kind of a, a quiet player. Um, yeah. And uh, <laughs> as 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 I said on the uh, uh, from the press box podcast, but a, a perfect match with with uh, Joel Bouchard because Joel yeah. likes to be the leader, likes to be the captain. Wouldn't like anybody with a strong personality in the captain's role. Uh, they have a history. They they you know uh, get along well. So it wasn't a, a surprise to see him signed and return. My my only quibble with it is is about um, just the you know, you hate to see obstacles put in the way of young prospects. They need, they need ice time. 
they need an opportunity to be put in different situations, whether, whether it's on the penalty kill or the power play or, and when you have uh, players with NHL experience, as we saw last year on the Laval rocket, Joel Bouchard was, um, you know, only too glad to put those players out uh, the Carl Olsners and, and uh, Xavier Willettes and, and on and on and on uh, ahead of, of the players who actually need that ice time. Um, and um, so that, that's, that's uh, my only concern there. And a, a point that was made by Amy Johnson on the very podcast that you were speaking of from the press box that I, I agree with is I think that there's, you know, the type of guy that is the captain of an AHL team isn't necessarily, and I, I don't think it should be a guy that, and if you remember, I know that you pointed out as well, the comments that he made coming in that where he was not going to play in Laval. His eyes were set on Montreal, and, and that's, that's fair. You should have that. As a professional athlete, you should want to play at the highest level. But, you know, this kind of putting up his nose at the fact of the idea of playing in the AHL, I think that that sends a message that you don't necessarily want to send to young players, and that was something that I, I really agreed with. Uh, that was said on, on the podcast uh, uh, on the, from the Press Box podcast. Um, and the moves continued uh, for, for the Laval Rocket, at least with, uh, with signings and extensions. And one of them was uh, Nikita Yevpilov. And uh, he's a guy who, with uh, 13 goals, 12 assists, a couple of highlight reel goals, uh, what do you make of that signing? Um, I, I like Nikita Yevpilov, um, and, um, he is, um, such a good natured guy. Uh, and I'm talking, you know, off the, off the ice, uh, on the bench, in the locker room. Um, he's, he's just, a, a delightful player to be around always up, always positive. Um, he's, he's kind of, you know, I, I think um, as as far as stats goes, um, 25 points uh, this past season. That's kind of that's where he belongs. Um, and and um, you know his his AHL career. That's kind of where he's where he's been. Um, I, I, I his he's a very shifty player. He has good mobility, good skill. Uh, the last game against Binghamton, um, he, uh, you know, it was important for Laval, given the, the rough season they had, to go to a high note. It was Nikita Yevpilov who scored the tying goal um, and and then uh, had a chance in overtime uh, and was stopped and got another one and uh, and finished it off and, and um, won the won the game. It was a great, great finish. The locker room was excited um, uh, to end the year. Uh, he's just a, you know, he, he uh, wore an A um, uh, when he was uh, with the Armada. So he has a connection with Joel Bouchard. Joel Bouchard trusts him in a lot of situations. Um, and uh, I, I, I think it was a good signing. Um you know, he's not the kind of player that um, is going to compete for a, a roster, uh, a spot in the lineup for the, the Canadians. Uh, but he's he's the kind of guy that, that you like to have around. And, and on the other hand, um, he had really good chemistry with Lucas Vedemo. And Lucas Vedemo is a player who uh, may may make his way may through the development uh, chain and, and uh 
and play a bottom six role with, with the Canadians. So in that sense, uh, there's another good reason for the signing. Yep. And that's something that you always want to be considering when it comes to the AHL is who's going to be a good influence. Have there already been relationships that have been created between guys that are at a little bit more of a, I mean, at 24 years old, I don't want to say that this guy is a veteran or, a, you know, close to that point, but you know, he's, he's a bit of a, a younger uh, veteran for, for this team and someone that uh, if there's a relationship between he and, and Lucas Vedemo, I think that's something that you should uh, always consider uh, going forward. So, um, and, and one more, uh, Ryan Culkin, what did you make of that? I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. He's from Montreal, Pierre Fon. Um, okay. That, that's, that's positive, isn't it? <laughs> that I didn't <laughs> isn't know. Isn't it? <laughs> Uh, listen, uh, Ryan Culkin is, uh, he played with Maine, uh, that connection again with, with, uh, Danny Briere, uh, uh in, yeah. in Maine. And, um, and my sense is he's, um, he's going to spend a lot, a lot of time in the ECHL again, uh, just 10 games with, with the Laval Rockets. Um, and, uh, I'm sorry, Mr. and Mrs. Calkin. He didn't look very good when, when he was with uh, Laval. Yeah. So, uh, with with all those things said, and and talking about contracts that are that have been signed, uh, you know, re-signing guys, uh, we are rapidly approaching a deadline for two guys that were selected in the uh, 2017 NHL entry draft, uh, the uh, Jared Tiska and. Scott Walford and uh, you know we're getting to a point now where it looks like those are not guys that are going to be uh, going forward as Montreal Canadiens prospects they will re-enter the draft pool what are your thoughts on on that yeah just to explain um, for uh, listeners uh, both Tishka and Walford were taken in the 2017 uh, NHL entry draft by the Montreal Canadiens uh, and and the, the the rules state that that uh, you have uh, two years to offer them an entry level contract. If you don't get one um, signed, uh, then they go back into the draft pool. The deadline uh, we're broadcasting this um, live as we do uh, every Saturday um, at 1 p.m. Uh, the the deadline is 5 p.m. Eastern time today. Um, and uh, but it doesn't, you know, you would have thought that they would have um, uh, heard by now, or or there wouldn't have been a, an announcement by now. Um, and so it looks like uh, there's a good chance that they're they're heading back to the draft pool. Uh, Tishka, um, you know, uh, a guy with good size, uh, a, a two-way defenseman, a left defenseman. You know, we've talked a lot about left and right and 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 the canadians not having a lot of left-handed defensemen he's a left-handed defenseman played in the whl for seattle um you know he, he's kind of a, a general purpose kind of guy plays a power play plays the the penalty kill good size really at um you'd call him an energy player he's uh plays physical um uh, great worth work ethic um he's i would say he's He's very aggressive and maybe overly aggressive at times um, in all three zones. Um, if, if 
if he's going to pinch, he pinches at full speed. He's going to do it early. He's, he's in there. Um, doesn't always make the, the, the right decision, but, um, he makes a, a, a confident decision anyway. Um, his, to watch him, his skating style, um, is he, he looks awkward. Doesn't look like he's getting the most bang for his buck when he, with his stride. Um, his skills are kind of by average. Um, He's not that creative in, in uh, producing offense. Um, and, and, uh, you know, under pressure, I think his, his decision-making is a little bit uh, questionable at times. Uh, but as far as, like I said, energy, work ethic, um, he's, he's, he's all in. Um, so, um, you know, may, maybe there's, maybe we can understand uh, that the Canadians have determined that there's other prospects who are, uh, ahead of him in line um, and have chosen not to um, offer him a contract. I, that said, you know, he, um, he put up good points uh, for, for Seattle in the, uh, both in the regular season and the playoffs. So um, um, Scott Walford, um, again, a left-handed defenseman, that's a bit of a head scratcher for me again, yeah. with the, the dearth of, of, uh, left-handed defenseman, I, I, you know, there's, uh, Scott Walford is kind of, um, well, he'd be behind Romanoff. Um, and if you consider that Brooke plays both sides behind Brooke, but, um, Brooks, but, um, I don't know. He, he plays again in the, in the WHL for Victoria. Um, he's, he's solid. He's, uh, you know, six two one ninety five, but he's solid. Um, he's one of those guys who's got a uh, good balance over his skates. Um, he can deliver just punishing hits. Uh, he can clear the front of the net. Uh, he's really good on the boards, kind of interrupting the cycle of, of, of the opponents. Um, good skater, really agile. Um, recovery speed is good. Uh, good first pass. I, you know, he's not an offensive defenseman. Um, doesn't carry the puck that often, but he's that good first pass helps him in the transition game. Got an average shot, um, is used on the power play and makes good decisions. Um, you know, he, he's had his injury issues, uh, at the end of the 17, 18, it was the second last game of the season. Uh, Victoria was playing Everett and, uh, the 17, 18 season, he took a hit and was out, um, uh, with a shoulder injury, he had, had to have season ending sh- shoulder surgery um, and missed the playoffs uh, for the Royals. And, and um, that kind of, I think it kind of slowed his start um, to this past season, uh, his recovery. But, um, you know, his, as I said, I think he's, that's a bit of a head scratcher. I, I'm surprised um, and, and will be very surprised if the 5 p.m. deadline passes uh, and they haven't reached uh, uh, an entry-level contract for Scott Walford. Yeah, and coming off of 47 points this season, uh, wore the A in, in Victoria. And, and to me, I think, you know, uh, immediately after the 2017 entry draft, I was uh, among the group of defensemen that the Montreal Canadiens drafted that year. The two that I were highest on were, were Josh Brooks and Kale Fleury. I didn't necessarily go in depth on, on Tiska and, and Scott Walford, 
But looking at Scott Walford, I mean, and the, the problems and, and the discussions that we've had about that left side of the defense, it, it it's really a head scratcher. I agree with you that we are not at the point where at least Scott Walford hasn't been uh, given an entry level deal. So we'll have to see as we get closer to that point, maybe they at, at the last minute come through who knows, but uh, you know, I think that uh, that is something that, uh, that, I mean, having enough defensemen, especially on that left side, especially with the way that it looks going forward. I think this is something that you would like to consider. Um and just to but, tack uh, on yeah. one more point, if, if I could, um, yeah. Walford and Tiska are um, the, the, the June 1st deadline. There's one more player, um, and that's Nicholas Koberstein. Um, now, his deadline is August 15th um, of this year. Um, same deal uh, if he's not uh, given an entry-level contract. Um, the Canadians will lose uh, the rights to Nicholas Koberstein. So just that's, that's, com- that's yeah. coming up um, uh, shortly. So speaking of the uh, left side of the Montreal Canadiens defense, we have a guy who, who's quite familiar with playing the left side in Montreal in uh, Andre Markov. And there seems to be some interest, uh, whether it be from Markov or from other NHL teams, for him to make a return to the NHL. Um, yeah, it, it looks like he, um, Andre Markov has had interest from three NHL teams, uh, one KHL team that's being reported. Um, but at 40 years old, uh, can Andre Markov help a team? Can he help a power play, uh, with those, uh, you know, sweet passes that, uh, you know, put him up on a tee. Um, and, um, and we've, we've heard, we've heard from players, uh, I think it was both Pacioretty and, and Weber uh, talk about the, the way Markov changes the spin on his passes, depending on the, the hand of the shooter. Um, <laughs> that's remarkable. Remarkable. Yeah. Uh, so, um, you know, Andre Markov uh, could be, uh, uh, you could be seeing him in an NHL Jersey. I, you know, his heart is in Montreal. He'd love to come back to Montreal uh, at the time when uh, when he couldn't come to a contract agreement, he said that he didn't want to put on any other NHL jersey. Uh, but if uh, Mark Bergevin is uh, continuing to be stubborn, um, then um, then uh, Markov's hand might be forced. Yeah, and I mean, this is a guy. Just I don't know how many games he is shy of a thousand. It might just be a handful, but. This is a guy that I think when you look back at last season, when we're in this position where Tomasz Plekanec goes to Toronto, then he comes back and he gets his 1,000th game in a Montreal Canadiens jersey. Granted, at that time, we didn't know all the things that would happen where he would basically be forced to retire because he didn't want to play for another NHL team. So, I mean, I, I at the time, I, I didn't quite understand what was so different about these two guys? They were both guys, I mean, with, with Tomasz Plekanec and Andre Markov, they're both guys that gave years of great service to the Montreal Canadiens. It just did not add up. It did not make sense as to why you were in a position where you were, you know, going in a direction. I, and, and with all due respect to Carl Alsner, why you were willing to give a contract to Carl Alsner and, and couldn't come to terms on a deal with a guy like Andre Markov who has got passing and power play quarterbacking down to a science, as you just explained. 
So, you know, I, I think that there should be interest in Andre Markov, even at the age of 40. So uh, hopefully uh, we see him back in the NHL and, uh, and hopefully he's, he's, he's happy wherever he ends up. Um, so with all that said, uh, would you like to move on to some NHL news when we get to the Stanley Cup or, or maybe even some, some guys yeah, that are... Let's... Yeah, let's yeah. just quickly do that. And, and uh, before uh, we get to our main topic, because uh, as I see on Twitter and Facebook, <laughs> people are chomping at the bit to uh, yeah. rate the first seven years of Mark Bergevin. Yeah, so, I mean, we do have the Stanley Cup final that is underway. Uh, it is the Boston Bruins, as we said last week, the Boston Bruins and the St. Louis Blues. Uh, Boston took game one, and, uh, and you know, then St. Louis with a bounce-back game. Carl Gunnarsson scoring the overtime winner in, uh, in game two, and uh, that, was, that was just an incredible game. <laughs> and then, but unfortunately, in the midst of that great game, you have a hit by Oscar Sundqvist. He has been suspended one game for that hit on Matt Grizzlick. Uh, I, I mean, this is a hit. I mean, if you remember back at the beginning of, of the season, it was either preseason or very early on in the regular season, Oscar Sundqvist was on the receiving end of a brutal open ice hit from Tom Wilson. And uh, here we are some seven months later, and we have uh, this hit uh, on Matt Grizzlick. I, I, I didn't see much to the hit. Did, um, yeah. It was kind of a, a rub-out hit. Um, and, and, and Sundquist, because you know, it made the turn, just kind of, he was finishing his check, just kind of, it, it was uh, certainly awkward positioning by the Boston defenseman. Um, yeah. He was kind of leaning over as he, he tried to reverse the puck, uh, and um, he, no question his, his head hit the, the boards of the glass. Um, no question uh, that, um, you know, there was a bad result, but I didn't, you know, I didn't see this in the, the same terms as, as, as some of the predatory hits, particularly, um, you know, you mentioned Tom Wilson, but, but um, some of the predatory hits by, by Boston, uh, you know, the Tory Krug going after and Marshall yeah. and, and that, that were unpenalized or, or uh, didn't receive supplemental uh, discipline. So, uh, you know, I guess it's, it's kind of um, payback. I don't know. Cause there was a Boston player suspended. So we have to suspend and say, I don't, I don't, I, I don't know. Um, but the Bruins always seem to get the benefit of the <laughs> doubt of these things. Don't they? I, I had, uh, maybe it's just me. Yeah. I, 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 I won't say anymore, but it, the point is I didn't see a lot in the hit that um, other than the result that would have yeah. uh, led to a suspension. Yeah. And I think we're at the point where it's the result oftentimes is what warrants the, the penalty or what warrants the, warrants the suspension. It's not necessarily the things that happen, the, what leads up to it, the hit itself. It more often than not is the result. And, and Matt Grizzlick, you know, I think, um, you know, that's something that the league looked at and said, okay, well, we're going to have to punish this a little bit more than we would any other hit given the circumstances around it. So I think one game, Oscar Sundqvist, I don't think there's any intent on that. I think you're right in saying that. And I think 
you know, one game St. Louis will be able to, uh, they'll be able to handle it without Oscar Sundquist, especially if they get, if Vladimir Tarasenko is, is good to go. So, you know, that'll be something to watch for game three. Um, as I said, it's tied 1-1. So Boston jumped out with the, uh, with the first win. St. Louis evened it up and, uh, and Carl Gunnarsson with the uh, OT winner. Um, so will we take a quick break? Do you want to tell everyone where you can reach it? We, uh, we've already been seeing the uh, answers for the question of the week in Facebook. But do you want to tell uh, the listeners at home where they could also reach us? Of course. Yeah. As, as, as Joe said, you can always uh, connect with us uh, via social media, whether it be Facebook, whether it be uh, Twitter. Uh, this program has its own Twitter account at Habs Connection. Um, but you can also call. Remember, we're a live show and live podcast every Saturday at one o'clock. You can call the studio. There's a studio number. Here it is. 213-943-3754. 213-943-3754. If you're listening to us uh, on demand, as many, many do, um, uh, and we thank you for that, you can text us anytime, 24 hours a day, 5853-ROCKET. Our Rocket Sports Radio number is 5853-ROCKET. So coming up next, we're going to discuss Mark Bergevin's legacy as Montreal Canadiens GM. And uh, I said a couple of weeks ago that nothing gets the Montreal Canadiens fan base talking like P.K. Subban. Oh boy, does Mark Bergevin also get the Montreal Canadiens fan base talking. So we are going to dive into what we think about Mark Bergevin's legacy. That's going to be coming up after a quick break. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. We are specifically interested in individuals who have education and or experience in the following areas. Sports writing, translation, editing, forum administration, social media administration, multimedia, graphic design, web development and user support, event planning, and sponsorship and marketing. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are located in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net.
here on the Canadians Connection podcast, and we're about to discuss uh, the legacy of, of one Mark Bergevin, the GM of the Montreal Canadiens. And, and Rick, this has been a, a topic that we've had for uh, on the back burner for a little while. <laughs> well, uh, believe it or not, uh, and you may doubt this if you've listened to our show, we do plan. Uh, we we, <laughs> well, we do does. plan. Uh, and uh, particularly with the second segment, which we like to call our big topic, where we do a bit of a deep dive into um, uh, things that you want to hear about. And, and listen, if you have a suggestion for us for a big topic, uh, we've had them before. Uh, we want to hear from you. Um, and uh, back at the first couple of days of May, I think it was the 3rd of May, we had a bit of a planning session. We were looking about looking ahead to our big topics, and uh, I'm not going to tell you what we planned for going ahead just yet. Uh, but one yeah. of them was uh, on the list uh, on May 3rd. We had uh, Mark Bergevin's legacy, and so this has been in the works for a month. And uh, both um, Joe and I have been thinking about it a little bit and uh, adding to our thoughts. Um, and then in the last day. The Athletic put out an article saying, what do you think Bergevin's legacy is going to be? And I was like, uh, Joe, we should better check the security on the email <laughs> server for all halves because. <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, they, they have one view and, and uh, I, I might uh, I might allude to to uh, to their view. But uh, I think it's time uh, for uh, us to present our view. I'll let you go first. And I'll just remind uh, listeners that uh, what is what is our question? What does it officially say? It says how would you assess the job that Mark Bergevin has done over his first seven years as the general manager of the Montreal Canadiens? That's our Canadians Connection question of the week. So uh, make sure you chime in either by text or on social media. But right now Joe has the floor. Well, you know, you said that we, we took our time, we thought this over. A topic such as this, you have to do that because this is something that spans, it's coming up on eight years. This is going to be of Mark Bergevin as a general manager of the Montreal Canadiens. May 2nd, 2012 was when he was hired. And ultimately, I think when you look at a GM or look at any executive in sport, you have to look at two things, how you start what you have versus how you finish. And ultimately we can do a lot of things on this podcast. One of the things that we can't do is tell the future. So we don't know how this book ends for Mark Bergevin, but what I can say confidently is, and and what I can remember back to in 2013 is what he started with. And it was a 26 year old Carey Price, a 24 year old PK Subban and a 25 year old Max Pacioretty. You've got your franchise goaltender, who was not quite, you know, he was he was good, but he wasn't quite, you know, 2014 or 2015 Carey Price. But you know, he was he was just on that cusp. You have PK Subban, who, I mean, like, I mean, he's a divisive figure as we found out a couple weeks ago. But he's somebody that had an immense amount of potential at just 24 years of it, of, of age. Max Pacioretty, he's the goal scorer, the perennial 30 goal guy, and then you have those three. What's the thing that's missing? What's the thing that's missing? Oh, number one centerman. He tried to get one through the draft and Alex Galchenyuk. Um, ultimately, I think that that is 
maybe at the fault of the Montreal Canadiens that he didn't turn out to be quite that, but he still could be that in Arizona. He didn't, he wasn't that in Montreal, but I don't think that was through any fault of his own. You turn that into Max Domi, that's fine. You turn PK Subban into Shea Weber, you're basically at even footing right there. But ultimately, I mean, he's a guy that has got himself second and third chances. He's been able to bounce back from just, you know, some, some bad moves. Let's, let's be frank about this. There was a period of time, and specifically when you look at that 2015-16 season, where Carey Price gets injured and the season goes off the rails, that is where it began for Mark Bergevin in a way that, you know, I think everything else before that, it was coming up roses. You, it was, I mean, for 2014, they were the only Canadian team in the playoffs. 2015, Atlantic Division champions. They go on and they lose to Tampa Bay Lightning. And then quickly you see that everyone around Montreal is, okay, they're, they're catching up now. Okay, we got to look out because there's going to be a Tampa Bay team that's going to be hot on our, on our tails. There's going to be a, a Toronto Maple Leafs team that's going to be good eventually. So this is the thing. You know, I think that he's been able to get himself more chances to get things right. And I think that he's had decent drafts. I think that he's had good drafts. But when you look at some of the trades, and specifically when you look at the weakness of this team right now, which is that left side of the defense, is the huge weakness. And a lot of what Montreal has, and a lot of what they had already, were skilled playmaking wingers who could probably put up between 50 and, and 70 points, somewhere in that ballpark. And they went out and got another one with the idea that maybe he could be a number one centerman. And that didn't quite work out for you. And fortunately, drafting, uh, going and getting a Yasperi Cup Kinami has gotten him another opportunity and another chance to fix his own problems. But then there's the issue of that left side of the defense. And you, you lucked into uh, Trevor Timmons and his work and Alexander Romanov, but there's still a lot of holes to fill on that left side. And they're, there's still a lot of holes to fill on this team. And, and ultimately, that is, I think, where this, this sits right now with Mark Bergevin. He's gotten himself another opportunity. And it is up to him now to make good on it. Because, quite frankly, he hasn't been able to do that in all the previous times that he's earned more time or more opportunity to fix his own mistakes. And it's always a dangerous game to allow a GM to fix his own mistakes. And Mark Bergevin has been lucky enough to be in the position to do that. But with an aging Carey Price, an aging Shea Weber, I'm not saying that those guys are, are on the, the door of retirement. That's not what I'm saying. But, you know, they were entering, or at least Carey Price was entering his prime when Mark Bergevin took over. And if you're going to waste his prime by not making a move to get a number one centerman or not making the right move to get a guy that you think could be a number one centerman, then, then what, what has this period been? And, and ultimately, when I say that this is the way that you evaluate a GM is how you start versus how you finish, if how he finishes is by wasting Carey Price's prime, then I'm not sure that his legacy is going to be one that's remembered very fondly in Montreal. I, I think you're right. Um, you know, when, and, and I mentioned uh, the... the um the athletic article and, and all due respect to them. 
they do good work over there, and um, and and we have another number of uh, folks over there that uh, that we enjoy a lot. Um, but uh, I think that that um, you know they talked in the in the athletic article about um, Bergevin now seven years in being the seventh longest tenured uh, general manager in the NHL. Um, and when you look at those other six uh, that he's in that grouping with, uh, four of them have been to the Stanley Cup final in the last seven years, Nashville, San Jose, Chicago, and St. Louis. Four of the six have been um, to the Stanley Cup final. Um, in Winnipeg, uh, haven't been to a Stanley Cup final, but have been pretty close and, and um, are uh, have... Uh, uh, Shevel Dayoff has, has built that team into a perennial uh, contender. Uh, the only other um, one kind of on the same footing as as Montreal is in Anaheim. And, and um, you know, uh, Anaheim's Anaheim. Uh, they haven't enjoyed yeah. uh, a lot of success, and neither is Montreal. So um, I, I don't think you can give Bergevin a passing grade given that he's had, um, you know, a great deal of time, more than, more than a lot uh, of other GMs and, um, and uh, particularly missing the playoffs the last three of the four years is uh, an indictable offense and, and, and tacking on to what you said uh, that, um, you know, he had a pretty good core to start with. Um, I know that, that people like to say, well, you know, uh, in his first year, uh, the Canadians went from uh, 28th or whatever it was to uh, into the playoffs, but but that 28th place finish was was a bit of an aberration. Uh, that team was better than that. That was a playoff team until uh, Jacques Martin was fired at, in December, and then the Randy Cunningworth, and then Randy Cunningworth was undercut, and and um, you know that wasn't really a, a rags to riches kind of uh, story when Mark Bergevin came in. That was that's a bit of a media creation there. Um, but the Athletic article goes on to say that 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 they they kind of divided up into three groupings that um, there was in their their opinion uh, the first couple of years the first three years were um, Bergevin can do no wrong. Uh, then uh, the next couple of years, he could do no right. Um, And then now is kind of a reset. Um, But I think, you know, uh, you, you look back at, he's a, he's a general manager. Who's not afraid to make moves, made a lot of moves. Um, Yeah. But, but, you know, Mark Bergevin was a fringe player and he spent most of his energy making fringe uh, moves, trades, um, you know, and 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 making trades that didn't really move the ball forward. They they kind of were just moving, the, changing the deck chairs a little bit. Um, you know, you bring in Daniel Briere and then you trade him for Pierre Parento, and I mean it 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 didn't it didn't amount to anything. You got Brian Allen coming in for um, <laughs> uh, 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 Rene Bork. Um, yeah. It, it you know it it. it it, it didn't move the ball forward. And, and um, as you said, I think that um, the, the sad part of this is that, that um, he had, uh, you know, what many would say, best player in the NHL, um, 
you know, not 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 being Sidney Crosby, and he had Carey Price. And certainly Carey Price has delivered any success that Mark Bergeron has enjoyed. So his legacy will be um, my success was, was, was because of Carey Price, uh, but I let down Carey Price and I let down the team uh, and I let down the fans because I didn't add to that. I didn't, I didn't, um, you know, maximize um, uh, Carey Price. Um, you know, you, you think of, of Mark Bergevin, um, his, his, his big mistake, he's been involved in, in mostly fringe trades, but he has been involved in big trades. Susan for Weber, Bergevin for Duran, Galchenyuk for Domi, but none of them, not one of them, uh, brought in the number one center, as you said. Um, yeah. Uh, it just didn't happen. That was the biggest need and has was the biggest need seven years ago when when uh, Mark Bergevin took over, um, and he he hasn't got it done in seven years. Um, that was his number one priority, and he's failed on that. Now you're going to argue with me about some will argue with me about um, Max Domi. Um, I like Max Domi. I like the year that he had. Um, yeah, you know, uh, but Max Domi. Uh, when this team has uh, a proper uh, number one center, Max Domi is. Uh, we we want to see him back on the wing, um, and yeah. and I'm pretty sure that's that's where he ends up. Uh, and you know, as good a season uh, as Max Domi had, um, 28 goals, 72 points, uh, top tops the Canadians. He was number 47. Um, in terms of points in the NHL. Uh, so he's not performing yeah. at that number one center role. Uh, just not, just not that, that role. And that's, that's not Max's fault. That's, that's uh, Mark Bergevin's fault. Um, you know, as far as his legacy, uh, I think we'll think about Mark Bergevin. Um, and, and uh, we heard that, that he spends, you know, he, every time he goes to the podium, he tells us how hard he works, how much time he spends on the phone, um, as if the time you spend on the phone is a measurement of success. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. he tells us every single time that GMing is really hard. It's a really hard job. Um, uh, so that's part of his, his legacy. Uh, he talks about uh, Montreal not being a, a, a top de- destination for uh, free agents anymore uh, for the A-list type of free agents uh, that he can't attract those those free agents. But you know he's played a part. Yes, there's weather. Yes, there's there's the language issue. Yes, there's yeah. a tough media. Um, but Mark Bergevin has played a huge role in that. Players do not want to come to Montreal and be treated uh, the way um, the disrespectful way, and we've heard that. Uh, from from both uh, top name players, and we've heard that uh, off the record from from other players uh, who've left the organization, and certainly publicly, Pacioretty was disrespected, Markov was disrespected, Radulov uh, said he was disrespected. Um, so that that plays a role into why uh, Paul Stasny has no interest in coming uh, to Montreal, or John Tavares won't even take an interview. Uh, or Duchesne took a pass uh, last time around. Um, 
I think, uh, you know, when you look at those big trades, um, those major trades, um, and when Mark Bergevin was given the opportunity, he said, the, the question was asked very plainly, what is your, what is the move that you're most proud of? Now, if you had made an impactful move to, to bring in that number one center or, 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 you know, you were very proud of your Druan trade for Sergachev, you would have said so. But when he was asked for his most impactful trade, he pointed to the waiver pickup of Paul Byron. Um, and again, with all due respect to Paul Byron, um, he's a valuable player and he's speedy and he's exciting and he's loyal and he's all those things, but he's, he's not an elite player. Um, and so after seven years, when you, when Bergevin himself points back to his biggest accomplishment being the acquisition of Paul Byron, I don't know that that's where you want, <laughs> that's the trophy you want on your wall, on your mantle, you know? Um, and as far as the, the disrespectful side, there's, um, you know, we've, we've, we, we know things. Uh, and, and I, I would just say that, that there's a micromanaging side of, of uh, Mark Bergevin um, that doesn't get talked about a lot. I mean, you see that in, in um, um, certainly uh, his early influence uh, on the draft choices. And he came yeah. in uh, thinking of himself as quite a talent evaluator. And you saw in the early drafts, you go back to the two, 2013 draft, um, and Mark Bergevin and Trevor Timmons has said uh, there were Mark Bergevin picks and there were Trevor Timmons picks. And we know which picks those were. Mark Bergevin went to the media and said, I did it. I got a big center. You're, you're asking for size. I got it. Mike McCarron <laughs> hasn't turned out so well. He said he went to the podium and he said, "I got you. You you're asking for a, a Quebec-born uh, goaltender. I got you one. Zach Fucali hasn't worked out very well. The picks from the other picks from that top picks from that 2013 draft were Trevor Timmons' picks, uh, Arturi Lekkinen, Jakob De La Rose. Um, I think more recently, uh, Bergevin has held back." And let Trevor Timmons do his thing. Let Shane Churla do his thing. And the Canadians have been much more successful because of it. Uh, yeah. But he can't help himself. He micromanages. We've talked to young players in the organization. And off the record, they'll say that, that they were encouraged to stay in Montreal and, and, and uh, train. That's great. That's, that's good news. But do you know that they also had a, an 11 o'clock curfew because Mark Bergevin instituted that in the summer? Do you know that there, were, they were, there was a map laid down in front of them and that areas of the city were X'd off, that they were not allowed to go in Montreal? Do you know that they had a chauffeur every time they went out that was paid for by the Montreal Canadiens uh, and, and they, they had to be returned home? That's micromanaging. That's, that's not... That's not developing your prospects that's not showing that you you trust your prospects um if you don't think that's micromanaging if you think that's just being a maybe maybe a good parent um yeah what about um mark bergevin's uh uh the way he deals with the ahl team his ahl affiliate you know we we're at practice one time um 
And this became, this became habit, but it was the first time I saw this, that practice ended, players all go to the, the dressing room. One player, just before he got to the door, the uh, door of the boards going into the dressing room, he stopped and he beat the living daylights out of his stick on, on the edge. I thought, geez, what happened? Was he mad? Was he? No. He just beat up the bottom of the stick on the, on, on the entranceway to the, the door. Um, and then he very politely put it in the stick rack. And then we waited. And there was a member of the Montreal Canadiens, executive, big title, big title. You know, those kind with presidents and things, vice presidents. Yeah. yeah, big title. Came over, <laughs> came over to the stick rack. And before the trainers could take away the stick rack, he took his, out his cell phone and he photographed every stick. Why would he do that? He sent those. Uh, and, and by the way, <laughs> um, <laughs> it wasn't always the same person. Yeah, the yeah. players... The players had a name for these these guys. Pigeons. They were Bergevin's pigeons. They would go. They would take pictures of the bottoms of the sticks, send them back to Mark Bergevin, and Mark Bergevin to him, that was evidence of how hard these guys were working in practice. And the lineup that was iced that night would be based on the pictures that went back to Mark Bergevin and his decisions about how hard he felt. Of course, he wasn't in the building. He wasn't there. Um, uh, but he made decisions on who would be in the lineup based on the bottoms of their sticks. The, the, the players got wise to this and started beating up their sticks. <laughs> and Is that micromanaging? Is that the yeah. effective way to manage a hockey team? Is that the effective way to make decisions? Or do you trust your your people? Do you trust yeah. your coaches that they know best? Um, so that's another that's another legacy of of the Mark Bergevin era is going to be this micromanagement. Um, you know he's he's made some good moves. He spent a lot of time cleaning up his own mistakes, digging holes. He he. Yeah. Dug a big hole for himself, a huge hole for himself when he traded away uh, Sergachev. Um, that that could have been his his left-handed defenseman. Uh, uh, yeah, you know you have Samuel Girard. Uh, th- that could have been um, his uh, a left-handed defenseman, and that was involved in the the Andrew the the pick was involved in the Andrew Shaw trade, Alex Duprincat would was also the other guy that probably would have come back. Um, Mark Bergevin, uh, I, and, and, and so why, why has Mark Bergevin hung around? Well, I think that Jeff Molson fancies himself as a bit of a general manager himself. And uh, the two have been uh, co-GMs and, and uh, you know, Mark Bergevin has said he goes to, with all his decisions, he goes to uh, Jeff Molson. Uh, and I think that, that another experienced general manager might not have appreciated having an owner uh, with no hockey experience uh, being in on all the decisions and, and, and taking on that, um, that, that co-GM role. And so the two of them have, have uh, made lots of mistakes. They've, 
They've uh, uh, had some some successes, um, but I think it's since this reset, um, I think they've they've Mark Bergevin by by you know um, by fear that that he was going to lose his job has taken a step back and uh, has allowed his people to do the right thing. Unfortunately, in that process, before that happened, before he took a step back. He lost some very good people who could be helping him right now. And I've mentioned their names before. Vaughn Carpen in Vegas, Rick Dudley in Carolina. Yeah. And uh, uh, we'll see uh, if you're interested in the Calder Cup final. Uh, you'll see a Vaughn Carpen. You'll see his moves uh, with the Chicago Wolves. And Rick Dudley, you'll see his moves with the Charlotte Checkers. <laughs> and they're, they're facing off tonight uh, for game one of the Calder Cup final. Um, lot there, but but uh, go ahead, Joe, and and uh, respond as as you wish. <laughs> well, in this era, there have been holes that have been dug by Mark Bergevin. There have been foxhole buddies that he's had, and and ultimately, a lot of the good things, as you mentioned, with with Paul Byron, that kind of fell on his lap. Uh, the other times, I mean, you had Alexander Radulov, and that at the time was perceived as being a little bit of a risky signing, and you know, those are the successes of the Mark Bergevin additions to this team. But I think the failures are a little bit more numerous. Uh, you mentioned Brian Allen. You mentioned Pierre Alexander Parenteau. Uh, there's Alexander Semin that was just here for a couple of weeks randomly. They, like, those are the ones I think that his additions to this team haven't been the caliber that you would have hoped for when you start with the guys that we mentioned that he started with, with P.K. Subban and Carey Price and, and, and Max Pacioretty. You wanted the addition that he made to be the number one center. And he went out, and you know what? Getting Thomas Vanek in 2014, okay. Getting Jeff Petrie in 2015, okay. Depth, uh, a guy that has, that has performed and scored and, and gotten points in the NHL. And then Jeff Petrie, a guy that, Looks like, and I mean, he's coming off a great season, a career season. That's that's one that's worked out. But other than that, I mean, you're looking at a lot, as you said, a lot of minor moves, a lot of fringe moves. And fortunately for him, there have been some that have worked out. And also, as you said, letting guys do their jobs is a nice, lovely thing to do. And Trevor Timmons being allowed to do his job is what has led to the Montreal Canadiens now having a very nice uh, core group of young prospects coming up through the system. And that has got to be the way that they go. And if he's, uh, if he's doing this out of fear, as you say, then I certainly hope that he uh, is more fearful going forward because it's led to some success, a level of success in the organization that we've been without for, I mean, I guess you could say 2017 was a decent season but, I mean, even going back, you'd probably have to go back to 2015 when the Montreal Canadiens, it felt like they were a successful team and that they were being run fairly well. So you would hope that going forward, that continues to stay the same. And so shall we take a, uh, another quick break and come back with uh, the responses to the question of the week? I want to hear what uh, what our our listeners and followers have to say about the Mark Bergevin era. Um, make sure uh, that you uh, 
either text us at our Rocket Sports um, uh, radio line. That's 5853-ROCKET. Or uh, um, get us on social media and we'll read some of your responses uh, coming up next. Yeah. How would you assess the, uh, the job that Mark Bergevin has done over his first seven years as GM of the Habs? We're going to get to your responses after a quick break. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked-out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends. Show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHab when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to showyourhabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us for further details and information regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. back here on the Canadians Connection podcast. We are going to get to your responses to the question of the week in a matter of moments. Uh, but Rick, shall we talk about a little bit about the, uh, the draft contest that is coming to a close tomorrow? Well, we talked about the recent success of uh, the Montreal Canadiens at the draft. Uh, and certainly uh, they are, are, uh, now trying to reap the benefits of, of those last two years and, and Trevor Timmons and Shane Shirley, as I mentioned, um, I think you want to be, you want to be in the building when uh, the Canadians go to the podium uh, at number 15 at the end of June. I think you want to be there uh, yeah. and you can be in Vancouver with us. Um, we're offering a, a contest as we have uh, for, for m- many years, a partnership with the NHL. Uh, they give us some uh, really nice tickets, reserved, lower bowl, in amongst the, the um, draftees and their families. 
And so you can get a very unique experience. And we are giving them uh, away, those tickets, uh, via a contest. We've announced some winners already. We've got uh, a number of our, our Rocket Sports uh, contributors going. We've got a number of, of fans. Uh, and, and let me just say, this can, you can be a fan of any team. It doesn't have to be the Montreal yeah. Canadiens. You can be a, a fan from any uh, of the NHL teams. Uh, all you need to do is, is enter and uh, go to allhabs.net. Uh, all Look for the post about uh, our draft contest. Follow the rules. It, it amounts to uh, reaching out to us uh, either on Twitter or on Facebook and, uh, and making an entry and telling us uh, why you're such a passionate hockey fan. Um, and um, you may be uh, the proud owner of, of uh, a ticket, um, a reserve ticket to the 2019 NHL entry draft in Vancouver. Yep. And, uh, and we went through that last week. They discussed it. You guys discussed it more from the press box. The, yeah. So basically, and, and as you said, it doesn't sound exclusive to Habs fans this is last year in Dallas, plenty of Dallas stars fans, uh, Colorado avalanche fan, a couple of Leafs fans as well. It's, it's a great event because you get all of these different, fans of different teams and they're all coming together in one environment it is you know the it's for a couple of days it's whatever city it's in is the center of the hockey universe and you get to see all of these uh, all these fans and it's it, it's really remarkable so yeah like uh, like you said it's it's not exclusive to habs fans even though it's all habs.net this is very much open to uh to any any uh, nhl fan whatever team whatever fan uh whatever nhl team you are a fan of um so uh, will we move on to the question of the week? Get the we? answers. Yeah. So one more time, how would you assess the job that Mark Bergevin has done over his first seven years as GM of the Habs? Me and Rick have had, or uh, Rick and I have had our say on the subject. And uh, if we turn it over to Twitter, uh, like I said, the, not much gets Habs fans talking like Mark Bergevin, and that was certainly the case uh, on the uh, responses to the question of the week. And uh, we'll start off with Sam Gerber, and he said, he's done just okay. He's made some tough decisions and gets great value in his players, but failing to not have an elite number one center for his entire tenure is a big blow for him. If he solves the lefty, the backup goaltender, get another elite forward this offseason, then he's done his job well. Uh, you have uh, Gasham at Asham Gasham saying, not impressive. His record speaks loud and clear. More disappointments than progress. Uh, you have uh, CJ at CJ underscore Castleman saying, uh, ranged from very good to very bad. Some great moves and some bad ones too. This is a big season ahead. A playoff first success in the postseason will be required to retain Mark Bergevin going forward. Anything less should be cause for dismissal. Uh, Etienne Furlan says he's, uh, he's been really good in the last 18 months. It's too bad it took six years plus to get there. Uh, Treg Wilson uh, from the, uh, the Habs Unfiltered podcast chiming in. I think he is doing now what he wanted to do when he took over. Mistakes of the success of the team early took away the long-term goal. He never got that number one center until last year. His trades were, quote-unquote, safe. If he doesn't fill holes to improve this year, I think it's time to move on. I think that's the uh, the key part right there. Uh, Chris G, I think he's 
done average. Had a two-year stretch that went really bad and didn't know how to manage it. I think that is a that's that's a good sir, uh, some summation of what's happened on or what's gone on. Excuse me, uh, Mike Nixon. Last year's offseason acquisitions and their surprising performance bought him some time. They're an exciting and entertaining team to watch, though the jury's still out on MB, uh, considering he is on his second five-year plan. And uh, and yeah, so. A lot of a lot of that. I think uh, most people are uh, are leaning towards uh, not a not a great job from Mark Bergevin, but there's been some that are looking at it a little bit more down the middle. So uh, so Rick, how about Facebook? What are they saying? Well, we want you to join us on Facebook. Um, the uh, fan page, uh, the All Habs fan page on Facebook, is easy to find. Just uh, type in All Habs, all one word, and you will uh, be able to join the conversation there. Uh, Quint Althaus says uh, Bergevin's choice of coaches is poor and seems trade uh, not like keeping outstanding players around for long. Maybe it's time for him to be replaced. Uh, Lee McNeil says uh, terrible. His reliance on price is and was embarrassing. Um, Neil Gardner says made some great moves and some questionable moves. Getting Weber was awesome. Getting Druan, not so much. Uh, draft picks by Timmons have been solid, uh, so I'm going to say a B plus. The Alsner signing still hurts him. Um, ben Sear says, as a GM, I give Bergevin a C minus. He's relied too he relied too much on Terrian, who was a horrible choice to coach an exciting young talent in today's NHL. Bergevin was slow to react to changes in the NHL. Um, we have Mike Gauthier say, uh, as much as I like the trades last year and the recent draft picks, reality is this team is not further along than it was seven years ago. What? We haven't made the playoffs in three of the last four years. Uh, he's failed and wasted Price's dominance. Why he's still there, only Molson knows. And Melissa Ma- uh, Mary uh, says, he's so handsome. <laughs> yeah. Um... Did you hear about the prospects? I don't, this is a little bit off topic, but about the prospect that was interviewed by the Canadians organization and was a little bit intimidated because they all had big biceps and and, and were like <laughs> you know like a you know fairly big group of guys. Uh, Timmins is the same. Trevor, uh, and, Trevor yeah. Timmins is ripped and and Mark Bergman yep. certainly fit and <laughs> and I think they're they're intimidated by the bizarre questions that are asked too and Twim- yeah. Timmins asking about his about uh. You know how would how would you uh, stand up against a fifty foot foot python and and all these bizarre questions that they try to uh, throw at the uh, the draft prospects in the at the combine. Yeah, uh, but anyways, yes, uh, I think that is that is certainly a, a side of Mark Bergevin that we don't often look at on this podcast, but one that I think needs uh, nonetheless needs a needs a little bit of an, to be analyzed a little bit. So uh, we appreciate all the comments that have been coming in to the question uh, or for the question of the week. Uh, so shall we wrap this thing up for another week and get this? Uh, we've, we've talked well, a lot today be- about our version. Of <laughs> yeah. Not before saying we, we really appreciate all of you. And um, it's, it's uh, uh, we do what we do because of you. Um, we we're very grateful for uh, your listenership. We're, we're very grateful that, uh, you follow us on social media and that you engage with us and you ask us questions and you give us feedback. 
uh, and uh, but especially that you you listen to the podcast. You are the uh, the hardcore, passionate uh, Canadians fans uh, who want information uh, all year round, and we're happy to provide content. Uh, there is no off season with Rocket Sports or with All Habs Hockey Magazine. Uh, we're happy to 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 uh, keep running these podcasts, uh, which our numbers just. Uh, I know there's not a lot of sources in the off season. We're glad that you've made uh, Rocket Sports uh, your prime source, and we're happy for all the the listeners and. And our, our, our numbers just keep going up. So we're really grateful uh, to all of you. Uh, and um, you've mentioned, uh, Joe, the, the From the Press Box podcast. Uh, be sure to, uh, to listen to that one, too. And, and, uh, and all the, the content from Rocket Sports Media, and particularly with respect to podcasts, Rocket Sports Radio. Yeah, there's, there's great reasons ahead to allhabs.net. There's great content that is coming out all the time. And as Rick said, there are uh, four uh, great podcasts. Uh, well, I guess I'll say three great podcasts. I don't want to be the, the one to say that our podcast is great, but I'll go ahead and say it anyways. It's great. But uh, <laughs> but three other ones uh, from the Press Box uh, with you and, and Amy Johnson. You have the Have a Listen podcast, and then you have Haves Unfiltered podcast, and, and all those. If you go and uh, on any of your favorite podcast platforms, including iTunes, Overcast, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn, you can go and search for Rocket Sports Radio. Hit that subscribe button. You get all four of them. Uh, Gibby last week from the Have a Listen podcast was on with me, and and as I said uh, said uh, a couple times during uh, during the course of this very podcast that the, the uh, from the Press Box podcast this past week, you guys were discussing the Laval Rocket as you always do, as well as uh, all things AHL. So there is great content that's always coming out, and uh, be sure to. Uh, to go to allhabs.net and, and have a look. Um, so yeah, I guess we'll uh, we'll wrap this thing up for another week. It's been great to be back. We are this is the first episode of June, and and as we said, there's the draft that's coming up, and that's only now a couple weeks away. Crazy to think that, and uh, and obviously with the Stanley Cup final well underway, we're we're getting towards the uh, the off season. So. Uh, this is going to be a very interesting couple of weeks coming up. And, and as, uh, as we said, with the uh, draft contest, if you want to enter that contest, very important, tomorrow is the deadline. Tomorrow is the last day to enter that contest, and you can enter as often as you wish. So just as a closing note with that, if you are interested in, 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 in entering that contest. Um, so, yeah, I guess we'll wrap this thing up. Thank you for tuning in to the Canadians Connection podcast, and we will be right back with you next week at 1 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 Newfoundland time. We'll talk to you then. For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at Connection and visit allhabs.net.